0: Hey guys, welcome back to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 25. So this week on the episode, I've got Nate from the band Archers. Um, We tried to do this episode a while back, had some technical issues with the audio file, um, so it just really wasn't good. So we talked about it, and instead of putting up A shitty quality episode for you guys. We uh, just kind of postponed it and had a conversation um, to to bring you now. So basically, um, we waited a little while intentionally. They just dropped their new EP not too long ago. They just had a, a live stream to do as a EP release show. They have a ton of new merch. Um, so this honestly just fit a little bit better, uh, overall for what what we wanted to talk about. Um, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Highly recommend checking out this band, but um, we get into some pretty, uh, pretty serious stuff talking about the kind of the meaning behind some of the songs and just how it relates to life and things like that. Uh, we talk about the live stream and the interaction with fans and things like that. And we also talk about one of our mutual friends, um, who's named Maya and she is a photographer, um, that I know from, from shooting shows and, and whatnot, but, um, she's also done a lot of work with Archers, uh, over the last few months, give or take, um, Went on tour with them at the beginning of the year with the, the little tour that they had. Uh, we tell a funny story about that. Nate tells a funny story about that. Um, and yeah, if you guys jump over to the Archer's Facebook page, which will be linked in the description of this, and go back and watch their live show, their live stream from um, the album release, the EP release. Uh, all the camera work is done by Maya, so she she got to play tripod a little bit and um, help them put on this live stream EP release show. So let's jump into this episode, this conversation with Nate. Uh, again, hope you guys enjoy it. A lot of stuff to be talked about and would love to hear your feedback. But for now, let's jump into our conversation with Nate from the band Archers. What we'll yeah. do to to kick off here is uh what's your name? What do you do in the band? And a little mm-hmm. bit of background.
1: I'm Nate. I am the vocalist for the band Archers. Uh I've been I've been with the band for about six years now, ever since its conception. Uh about five years, five, six years. Um yeah, and uh I don't know
0: what was there anything else you want in there? No, that that works. Um so about your, your background, um, obviously you and I have talked about it a little bit before, but mm-hmm. tell, tell fans kind of, um, the, the process for you getting into music, you know, the, mm-hmm. the first steps okay. where you realized this is what I want to do. This
1: is for where me I want to Yeah, for, okay. you. Um, for me personally, I, I don't know. Uh, it's been the only thing that's ever, ever been on my mind. It's, it's. I always say, I don't always say it, but it's something that I always think about is that I feel both that it's both a blessing and a curse to have known exactly what I've wanted to do for literally my entire life. Um, because well, on the one hand, I've been, I've had sole focus on just being, being able to make music in front of people. Um, but on the other hand, I, I missed out on a lot of things. Like I with when you put such laser focus into things, a lot of times things fall along the wayside. So, like you know going on my my school was lacking and my you know learning other things and can be more well-rounded as just a human took longer for me because i was so focused on i'm gonna be in a band i'm gonna be <laughs> famous and great uh but no i mean i came out of the womb fucking singing and uh my my dad was a musician and um even though it was strange because growing up we were in a Uh, a very conservative Christian home uh, that did not allow any sort of rock music or anything like that. Those things were considered to be of Satan and of the devil and and evil and uh, their lusts of the flesh, as they would say. (laughs) (laughs) And so for me growing up, we didn't have TV. We didn't have video games. We didn't, we, we had, we had a piano. (laughs) You could sing hymns. That was cool. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's what we would do. And I would, we would just sing hymns and we would sing whatever we could, we would find and, uh, so, yeah, I grew up singing Christian hymns and uh, Christian songs and things like that. And as I started to get older, I started realizing I could just like listen to whatever I wanted. So like I would kind of sneak country music here and there because it had drums and guitar. and I'd be like, Ooh, I'm a <laughs> singer you know, like uh, so I, I remember specifically that I used to have this CD player that had a radio in it. And my mom did not like that I had it because she knew it had a radio. And I would like sneak it into bed with me, and I would like put my earbuds in and just like listen to ninety nine point nine WJBL country all night, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I, it's it's like oddly enough, I country has a special place in my heart because I didn't gravitate towards country because I thought it was the best music ever. It was just the first music ever, (laughs) right? You know. So I was like, wow, this is crazy. So uh, there are still a lot of country songs that are dear to me just because that was like the first thing I was really exposed to. And then after that, um, uh, my parents kind of started to lighten up and my family started to become a little bit less conservative. And, well, not less conservative, but more less strict over the years, realizing that they need to just kind of let us live and see what happens. And so they started taking off all these bands, so like music, you can do whatever you want, you know, all this. So my parents have grown over the years and become much more uh much more open to a lot of things. And that, that happened as we were growing up. I mean, I have seven siblings and I was one of the older ones. Uh, so by the time that my, my younger siblings kind of started coming of age, they, they were in a whole different family essentially, because, right. you know, my, my parents were completely lax with them and they could do whatever they want. They're still great kids and they were smart as hell. and they 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 lived their lives really well, but like, you know, they were not at all. Like we, they didn't get the whoopings we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and all that but for me i just i i just remember through all of it i was singing and no matter what i i used to see I, I, my dad was a really good singer as well so i would sing in choir with my dad and uh he just has this rich low voice so me at like eight years old I'm trying to like <laughs> do all this like just see his low and, like and it just i don't think i realized it but i was cultivating my voice without even really knowing it and uh I was always really uncomfortable with my voice too. I loved to sing. I, I thought I was I, I thought to myself that I was a good singer, but I hated I hated the sound of my voice on recording and I never wanted to be a singer. Even when I started actually making music and then started to be uh a part of bands and things like that, I did not want to be a singer. I was a drummer, I was a bassist, I was a guitar player, uh and anything to avoid being the singer. And um then finally we lost uh, a member and we just could not find a drummer or we could not find a vocalist and I uh one of my this is an old shitty band, um and someone was just like, Well just Nate just you can sing, just do it for practice for at least. And I was like, fine. And that was just it. That was it. But from then on I was just a singer and it didn't I it wasn't like something I was like, Oh yeah, I'm a singer now, it's so cool. It just like Oh, I guess, I guess this is what I have to do now because no one else will. And, uh, I loved, like I said, I loved to sing, but I never wanted to be that guy because I was always really self-conscious about my voice. And then, uh, the longer that went on, the more I learned about my voice, the more I started to discover what I could do and started to learn more about the technicality of, of being a singer. Um, the more I, it grew on me. And and now it's at the point where it's like, I, I love this. I, I love the singing. I, I cause, it's what i've loved the whole time i was just too scared to fucking do it right and so now it's got to the point where i've been i've been as a prep manning bands for probably about 10 years now and i've only recently started screaming within the last five years or so and that's uh that's just been through archers but yeah that's kind of really how my, my story coming up uh, it's not nothing groundbreaking nothing spectacular i just i love to sing and I just saying anything I could, I could find. And, uh, now I'm here. <laughs> right.
0: Right. So I totally relate to, uh, the feeling of a different family. I only have, I was the middle child, so I only have an older brother and a younger sister, but like I felt that way growing up because it was like my brother was the oldest. So when, you know, when my parents were raising him, like there were no rules, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. first kid, they don't know what to do for sure. And all that. But then all the times that he fucked up, like, oh, that's a new rule. Josh can't do those things, you know? So I felt yeah. like I was, like, super locked down. And then my sister, being the only girl in the family, other than, you know, my mom, obviously, was the baby of the the group. So then she gets all the fucking free reign to do whatever she wants with no <laughs> no rules. And I'm like, what the fuck yeah. happened to my childhood, you guys? Like,
1: <laughs> this is bullshit. Right? So. Well, it's odd. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah,
0: it, it's insane. Um, middle child syndrome is a real thing.
1: <laughs> it's strange because I'm technically third, right? I'm third in line. In, in the, in the, there's eight of us, and I'm third. And I still have always felt like middle child, and it's, it's strange because so in my family, there's not cliques. Everyone's really they, we all, strangely enough, for how large of a family I have we're very functional. <laughs> like, we all, like, we don't hate each other in any means. Like, we're all very happy and excited for each other. My family and my brothers are some of the most supportive people of my music. Uh, they really are. They're just some of the best people that I know. And I'm really thankful for that. But growing up, it was strange because my two older brothers were, like, a thing, right? They were, It was Matt and Brandon. They were, the, they were like, you know, the homies. And then my two younger brothers, Jordan and Joe, they were also, like, really tight. And then the two brothers below them, Johnny and Jed, Had their own have their own dynamic as well so then it was just me like well who am I gonna hang out with boys (laughs) right Uh, I guess I'll toss this football at the tree and hope it bounced back but (laughs) like so it was kind of strange being in a really big family because I you were never alone but oftentimes when you were like me and and you didn't really have that that like family connection with one of your siblings I, I ended up on my own and that I'm sure that created a a sense of brooding and and a lot of the bullshit that i deal with in my own head today but a lot of this shit i put on myself see like distancing myself from others just because i felt like i was you know not a part of the group so it's you know it's on me as well you know that that i've kind of created a lot of my own mental bullshit you know just from growing up the way i did so i wouldn't i'm not like i would put that on my family or my parents you know i probably because yeah, you know i could have gone i could have you know reached out and started to be a part of anyone's group at any point but me seeing that i was you know distant from distant from everyone else kind of drew back even further and i think that's what created kind of like the isolation mentality in my head where it's just like you know you're good by yourself you you have your own contained little bubble everything's good here let's stay there you know yeah and that took so many years to break i don't even know if i'm completely broken out of it yet. you know it's conditioning that that's going to, you know, probably be a part of me forever, you know, just like always feeling the need to pull away, uh, and, and kind of seclude and isolate. Uh, so I guess that's why quarantine is treating me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. So, um, within that, you know, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I think that was kind of, um, kind of the same thing for me growing up was, you know, I, I had friends, you know, I had friend groups through school and stuff, but it was almost like, at least in my mind, you know, looking back on it and stuff, it was like, at the moment I felt like I was almost picked out of pity. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. yeah, friends with everyone, but not really in the group. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I totally feel you on that where it's like, oh, they're only asking me to hang out because I was around or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like in hindsight, no, they were, we were high school kids or elementary kids. Like we just didn't know how to socially interact with each other the same way. But yeah, it's definitely a, been a thing for me too growing up. And, you know, as I've aged now where I'm in that same boat, like even the friends that I've got now, there are times that I'll catch myself like kind of pulling away or, or secluding and, you know, I'll go a day or two or three or whatever without talking to to pretty much anybody and I'm like what the fuck am I doing man like you know those those are my friends like and it's not intentionally ignoring them necessarily but it's that that mindset that like you said that you're trying to break away from of you know self self-loathing or whatever it may be <laughs> that causes you to to pull away so um yeah so that's a good background on you let's talk a little bit about archers you've been around for you know give or take five six years like we were saying earlier Mm -hmm. um talk about just kind of the evolution from you know quote-unquote day one as a a garage band up till your your live stream just the other night
1: okay um (laughs) garage band. well um archers actually kind of had the unique opportunity of kind of being able to skip a few phases um Mm -hmm. and not not like big ones but we never had like when we came out like uh not a lot of people knew who we were, but you know we we could still pull people to shows because we had like old fans and things like that, but so Archers was conceived out of the remnants of a band that had fallen apart um that had been signed to a record label, and we had we had put out we were had cut a record and um uh, the, the label that we were on was just imploding at the time And uh, we managed to escape with our rights and our music And we slimmed down the songs a little bit And we put out uh, seven of them as an EP And that's what Cunts and Bruises ended up being And then we just uh, start just shortened our name from uh, Archers and Illuminators to Archers And just started fresh um, Archers and Illuminators had some traction though before, like, It's not it's not a band that we like to talk about just because we're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just that. Cause I was not the vocalist of that band. I, I was for literally a year. Maybe I, I was, uh, I was brought in at the very end to do the, to do the new record because they got assigned. They got this record deal and they had a really shitty vocalist that they didn't want to deal with anymore. Um, and they, so they brought me in to do the record and I, we, we toured on it for maybe six months to a year, uh, uh Toured on the label, not toured on the record. Right. Um, so we toured as as that band for maybe six months to a year before uh, the la- label imploded, and then we had to change the name to distance ourselves. Um, so it, it was kind of a weird situation because Archers had this like fo- Archers Illuminators had this following that we were worried to give up, but at the same time, I had kind of I knew a little bit about how the following was created. You know, using like like for like and then all these you know crappy social media exchange platforms that mm-hmm. don't actually do anything. So there's all these bullshit likes all over the page that are, you know, it's absolutely, you know, decimating our, our reach. And so I'm like, you know what guys? Yeah. You know, we're going to have a lot less likes if we start this from scratch, but you know, like, at least there'll be people who wanted like have a give a shit about what we're doing. Right. So, uh, so we started fresh, we put out custom bruises. I think the single was bag of bones and, uh, yeah, we just kind of played on that for a while, and uh, we started gaining traction in our hometown because uh, we just we had been around for a while, just kind of in different bands, and so there was a lot of friends and we had a lot of friends here that you know were really excited about archers coming around and then we made a lot of friends really quickly a lot of larger bands in the area we made friends with them uh, really quickly as well, and uh, it just kind of created this like vibe where everyone was just like friends with everybody and everybody was playing shows with each other and having been a blast and for a good year or so any show that you know, any show that happened it would have a couple of you'd see like three out of five names in that city would be on the show and uh it would just be one big homie fest and everybody hanging out and having a blast and then uh we ended up working with a new producer and we did it we put out a cover called of the hills and uh that's sort of doing really well but for some reason things in the side in the band at the time were just uh, personally people were dealing with things that they were difficult to overcome and there was there was a lot of stress with certain members that weren't you know doing a lot and so at the, after the hills cover came out we all um kind of went our separate ways for a while and archers actually broke up for about a year and a half and <clears throat> Uh when, during that time none of us knew if it was gonna come back. And when I say none of us, I really mean Ben and I. Ben's the guitarist of Archers. He is him and I have basically been archers throughout the duration. At this point, uh it's safe to say that Archers is Ben, I and and our bassist Nate, because he is just he's come he came in about a year and a half ago, two, uh, maybe even two years ago now. Uh and no, it was it'd been about a year. And he is just become a a complete staple of the band you know so at this point it's the three of us and that's it's so great to finally have a member who's like yes all right you're a part of this you're a real you know because for the longest time it was just ben and i finding people who would like be band-aids you know to fill the fill the spots that we had right um so ben and i decided that we wanted to we wanted to bring it back and so we gathered a couple we gathered a couple people together and we Ah uh, came back, we put out Bleed for this, and it went over just way better than we were expecting. We just the people like really loved the song. they were they were coming out to shows. and uh, yeah, so we just wanted to keep building on that traction. So we just we started doing like little runs here and there and uh, tried to put out more music. We put out uh, a single called Black Long, and then another cover. And uh, that pretty much takes us up to when we decided we wanted to put out this EP, and uh, we just kind of got down to brass tacks and decided that like, this is this is gonna cost a lot, <laughs> right. uh, but we're gonna do it because we know we've got something to say, and we know we've got good music to be made inside of us somewhere, and we're not done. We know we're no, we we're done. with we want to stop doing singles. We want a body of work. We just wanted, we really wanted a body of work that could just showcase what we were what we had been through kind of how far we had come since you know cuts and bruises since bleed for this since the covers and all that and um that's just kind of it all uh, that all added up to new normal what that ended up being which is the title of uh, our new ep and uh if you've listened to it you know there's a lot of different themes that go on in that record there's um, and it's mostly centered uh, pain centric. You know, it's it's mostly centered around pain and uh, and loss and and uh, there's some really heavy themes in some of the songs that that I, that I was really that I really wanted to explore because things that are very very deep and personal to me, like uh, suicide. And I think we actually spoke about this last time when, when we were talking about know, how yeah a little bit um, you know uh, suicide being a big part of my life and depression, anxiety, and all of that. And I really wanted each one of the songs on the record to kind of have, uh, to kind of be a taste of one form or another of pain or something about me, something very personal. Like, for instance, Black Market Monkey Magic, which is a silly title, but it's <laughs> the first name, the first song on the record. Uh, that song is, it's, it's meant to be a panic attack. The whole song is, is a panic attack from start to finish mm-hmm. you know from from the way the music is laid out to the lyrics you're listening to to the patterns in which i you know i scream and sing it's meant to make you to kind of it's meant for, to have the listener feel like they like i'm like they're kind of in that panic moment with me at the same time going hard you know i don't want right. anyone to have an actual panic attack while right. listening to it. uh but like i i feel like when you're listening to that song it's got so many ups and downs and just it's just constantly moving and it's you know, and that's kind of how I wanted it to feel because it's when you're in the middle of that panic attack, when you're in the middle of that anxiety, it's just, it's, it just rolls over you. And there's, it's, there's, I think one of the lines is, um, I get, there's no slowing down. I guess I'm in it now. You know, there's nothing you can do. Should I let go or should I ride it out? Uh, it, cause when you're in that, you can't, a lot of times you can't pull yourself out of it. Fortunately for me, I have a really great support group. You know, if I'm having, a, if I'm having troubles like that, now I can, rely on, i can lean on people and i have i'm sure there's people you know if, if you're listening to this and you have those troubles you know reach out to someone, there's people you can lean on uh but that's what that song was i just wanted that one to feel just like a roller coaster of terrifying emotions and i didn't want to be scary use any scary lyrics i just wanted to like like talk about what i was feeling in the middle of it and that's just kind of how that how that ended up coming out and then making eyes is real simple that's just kind of um a song about getting over a relationship that ended sour, uh, and moving on. And it's, it's pretty, pretty simple. When you listen to the song, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and then Black Long is more about, we, I think we, we, touched on it earlier, self-loathing and feeling, uh, the feeling that you're just inadequate and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that feeling that you are somehow evil. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life where you think it's in your core that you were just, a bad person and uh like that's something that i struggle with constantly Is just looking at myself and being like am i a piece of shit right like am i the worst this like am i like and <clears throat> the answer is no i don't i think <laughs> but <laughs> the jury's still I'm out honest. on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the answer is no i think but you know there's there's darkness in me. And I know it because you know they, I have these thoughts that creep into my head and they, they, they can take me to a million different places. And um, the black lung was really just my way of kind of shedding a light on some of the darker parts that I feel are in me and saying like, look, I've done things. I, I've done things. I've been a part of things. I've been a party to things that have been like considerably awful. And I, you know, I have guilt. I have stains on my past and on my conscience and I don't know how to deal with them a lot of the time. And that's, that's kind of where, kind of how, how I feel about black lung and just being a song about it's the fear that comes with loathing.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, with, with loathing yourself and uh composure is kind of like a part two to black lung. Uh, that that's, that's uh, another one of the ones off the record. Is um, <coughs> it's kind of I always it's not actually I say part two. I in my head it's kind of they kind of go hand in hand because where Black Lung speaks of self-loathing and hatred of yourself, composure dives into like questioning whether or not we should I should be here. You know t- thoughts of suicide and it, it goes into questioning what the purpose of being alive is if all we do is, to, you know, try to feel other ways so we don't have to experience the way we're feeling currently. And, uh, so I always felt like it was a part two just because that's just what I felt the natural conclusion was, would be like, for me, all this loathing, all the self hate, all the, di- like the distancing and the seclusion that I, and the, and the isolation that I put upon myself, it leads to, these suicidal thoughts and tendencies and these questions of, Hey, should I even be here? What, what's going to happen? What what happens if I just wasn't, you know?
0: Right.
1: And I, I wanted to leave that one a bit open-ended and ask, use it to ask a question rather than to make a statement really. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea behind it is, I think it's on the B side of the course where I say, if I drift away, will it cure the ache or will the pain find another heart to break? And that's something that's kept me from doing things a lot. And I know it's not necessarily the best reason to not kill yourself, but I feel like any reason to not kill yourself is the best reason not to. Yeah. And something that kept me here for years was the thought like, you know, yeah, this could end for me, but what happens when I'm gone? What happens to the pain? Like, what? It, it doesn't end there. It doesn't actually end there because nothing is ever going to end. It's just going to keep going and... You know, we die, people die, and life goes on. But it doesn't just end there. It it moves to somebody else. Like that, like for my parents, my family, like that pain would just go right to them. And then each person that I ever loved, that I ever that I ever touched, would feel the equal amount of pain. And so, not only am I not getting rid of the pain that's in my life, but I'm also, you know, multiplying it x-fold. You know, uh, by every person that I've ever cared about, that's ever cared about me. And that was something that kept me here. Cause I was like, I can't do that to people. And yeah, it seems like kind of like I, I would have preferred to have like some sort of personal epiphany that was like, Oh, my life is worth something I can live. now. <laughs> but really for me, you know, just, you know, staying alive was more of a grind. And I'm sure that that's the way it is for a lot of people dealing with these things. Like they have to find these little reasons to keep themselves from doing the absolute, the unthinkable. And those little reasons are so important. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. And that was just like the pain that you're experiencing is, is nothing compared to this pain that you could cause. And at the same time, I don't want to, I don't want someone who's feeling these thoughts, like having these thoughts to feel selfish. Right. You know? that's something that I think has been skewed over the years is that suicide is a selfish thing. It's not from the, from the perspective of the person committing suicide. It is, it's a mercy, you know? And that's what a lot of people understand. And then they put so much guilt on these people who, who have these thoughts and now they feel even shittier because they have these thoughts and who can they reach out to now? Because now they're pieces of shit for having these thoughts. And, I, I, I feel like there's there just needs to be more understanding. Like, because when I was in the thick of it, when I was in the worst of it, and even there's parts of me today that, that experience these types of emotion whenever I hear about a suicide or a celebrity suicide. Like, for instance, when uh, Chester Bennington died, uh, when he when he committed suicide, um, that affected me because I, I remember thinking. I I knew about Chester. And, like, growing up with with his music, it was very clear the pain that he had been through and and the emotional trauma that he obviously experienced. So, like, when I heard about his suicide, there was a part of me that was like, and I don't know if anyone else else experiences this, but there was a part of me that felt happy for him. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like, you, you... You... work up to this thing for so long and you build yourself up, like I'm going to do it I'm going to you know it's it's going to be over my life is like and you it's something like it's it's a strange feeling that uh, you feel happy because like cuz for me like you, you make you make the attempts and you you make the plans and you, and you try to execute them or whatever but like oh god damn it lost that <laughs>
0: Um, while you think about that so we're friends on facebook i don't i don't know if you saw my status um so it's just a little over two years ago my brother committed suicide and you actually said something that. that was was actually almost verbatim from one of my posts. And I, I, like I said, I don't know if you read it or not. And if you did, I don't care. But, (laughs) um, the, the whole selfish, selfish versus selfless thing. Um, I, I made comment about that because, you know, when, when my brother committed suicide, I had family members, you know, uncles, cousins, all sorts of family members, close friends, things like that, 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 you know, well, I can't believe he would do that. I can't believe this, you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't condone it by any means. You know what I mean? Like I, suicide is a terrible thing, but I understand it.
1: And I mm-hmm. understand that mm-hmm. in his
0: mind, at that moment, he was fixing the problem. He was taking mm-hmm. his pain away. He was taking mm-hmm. the, the hurt that he was causing other people. He was getting rid of all of that. At that moment, I, the way I view it, it was a truly selfless act. He was taking everything away mm-hmm. at the sacrifice of himself. But to your point, and the same point that I've made, what the the people that do end up committing suicide, at least in that moment, don't understand or don't realize is, like you said, that that pain then gets exponentially put back out into the world because now, you know, he had a wife and kids and now they've got to deal with this. And now, you know, me as a sibling Mm -hmm. has to deal with it. And I, I I get both sides, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm in the same boat as you where I can understand it. I don't condone it. But at the same time, I was very similar to, to you with Chester and, and even (laughs) with my brother where it's, it's like a bittersweetness to it that, Mm -hmm. Happy, maybe not the right full word for it. You know what I mean? Because obviously you're not going to celebrate it. But it's like knowing, a relief. Yeah, you know exactly. Knowing, knowing that
1: like this person's struggle, it's done.
0: Right, and they don't have to go through the pain that they've been through. They don't have to relive the shit that they've been through. It's over, and now they can you know finally rest. And I say finally because most people, especially that end up committing suicide, not just attempt, but commit and, you know, succeed, I guess is the best word for it. But Mm -hmm. those people, it's very rarely a spur of the moment. This thing just happened to me. Like they've been fighting demons for a very long time Mm -hmm. and for them to not have to fight those demons anymore. I mean, it's like you said, it's a relief that at least I, I can sleep better as much as it hurts some days to not have my brother here, I can sleep better knowing that he's not in pain anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, he, there's, there's a person, I'm not a person, but the way, when, when I'm trying to think of these things, I create a person in my head who is like the most, I try to make him the most relatable person in my head as possible. And then I give him, try to put him into these scenarios. Like if I was to find someone who, was a very thoughtful person that cared deeply for people and was a very kind person, but was having these types of struggles. Like that's the person who I, I'm I'm talking about here. It's like where, well, not not necessarily, but the person in my head where it's yeah, you know, they are they're battling this and they're they're holding all of this in and when when you <laughs> it's just not coming out the way I want. It. I don't know. No, I, um,
0: I, I think I get where you're you're trying to get here is, you know, the it feels like a lot of times that person, whether it's the one in your head or or a real person, is fighting their own battles, but still putting on that front to take care of everybody else and take on the burdens of everybody else.
1: Like um, think how many things you have to overcome as that person in order to be able to commit suicide. Right. Think about all of the people you have to be able to let go all of the, all of the love and and the things that you've experienced in your life, be willing to give up to know that you're not going to experience anymore, but for the sake of causing less pain to the people around you.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those are the people I'm trying to reach. And it's like, I want to reach, I want to be able to, you know, I, I want my music to be able to reach anyone in any position like that, anywhere. But I think that's who I wrote these songs for the most is the people that are hurting and they are over they're trying to overcome their own problems so that they can come that they can finally rest and they want to get to that final resting place, but like you're working towards the wrong goal. Like, right. <laughs> and that's just that's the issue.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And it's it's definitely something, you know, I've thought about and I've put a much, much bigger focus on mental health in in general. So like, you know, when we talked before, Mm -hmm. I've struggled with depression for a very long time in my life, Um, just about as long as I can remember. But as I created You Make the Scene, like it's always kind of been there, you know, the the focus on getting the awareness of mental health brought up and, and things like that. But then after losing my brother, it was like, this is a non-negotiable anymore. Like this shit has to stop. The stigma has to go away. People are allowed to hurt. People are allowed to be Mm -hmm. depressed. There should not be this black fucking flag over people's heads anymore. When we as a society have really shunned these people, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I have depression Cool. I'm not talking to you. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's uncomfortable. I don't want to go there. Or, I don't want yeah, to talk exactly. about that. Like, have
1: you ever been in? You've, you, we've all been in those groups, and I've probably been a party of it to it too. Where you're like, we're we're in a big group of people. You're all having fun, hanging out, having a good time, and then the one dude who everybody's a little worried about says that one weird thing, I, yeah. <laughs> and you all just kind of write it off, you know? And you know, you, you poke fun, you write it off. That shit's damaging. Yeah. I and. In, there's such a fear behind being vulnerable that like people are, would rather just like not have their friend. Like people are so worried about their friends who would make fun of them for these types of things. It's just like, why are you friends with these people? Like,
0: (sighs) yeah, no, I get it, man. It's insane. And again, that's one of the reasons that I've, I've put such a heavy focus on it since my brother's (laughs) passing music was always like he and I go-to, like we constantly would text each other new songs, be like, Hey man, have you, you know, heard the new blink album? Have you heard, Mm -hmm. have you heard this from real friends or whatever? You know, just all sorts of shit because we, we both knew where, where we were mentally, you know, it was one of those Mm -hmm. things you've got brothers, you don't even have to say a word and you can kind of get that vibe on, on especially family where it's like your, your energy's off, you know, have you checked this out? Like whatever so going through that and having that with him um you know that like i said i've put such a heavy focus on it lately um in the last 2 years i guess that you know it's one of those things kind of like what you're saying you know if if the message gets through to even one person and changes their perception or their their pers- perspective on life or whatever mm-hmm. like that's what it's all about even if it's only one fucking person if I save one person's life then everything that I've ever been through and everything I've ever done
1: is- I, I mean for me I, I, I would love to be able to say that I saved someone's life and, but like what I what I focus on is not necessarily that I want to I, because here's the reality of it there might my people who hear my music that it doesn't save them right but right. I want to be able to create a thought in someone's head that's it. Yeah, I just want to put like that little tiny seed that says, "Hey, you're worth more here." Yeah. You know, the like life could be exponentially better if you just don't do what you're thinking about doing. Yeah. that's it. I, I, I don't like and whether or not that helps them, whether or not it it carries them towards a better life, or whether or not they ignore it and move down the path they've been going on. That's all I'm trying to do, and and I'm just trying to place that little bit of little kernel of truth inside anyone who can hear it and just just be like you're valuable your your life is not we're not better off with you dead none of none of us are we aren't like yeah because think of all the things that you could do like think of think of the dumbest dude you know think of the, the biggest idiot you've ever met and even that dude's probably done some good things in his life, and he could probably go on to do a few more good things. Yeah. And those few good things, although they might not amount to much, the people who received the the benefits of those few good things could go on to do more good things. You know. Yeah. And by even by even taking away the opportunity for one interaction that could yield good, you're you're ruining an entire universe of possibilities.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the whole butterfly effect, man. You know, like you, you take a left turn instead of a right turn one day and you avoid a car accident that mm-hmm. may have been your, your last day or whatever. Um, that movie with Ashton Kutcher and it's super <laughs> fucked up, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but it, I mean, it's, it's a, in, in theory, it's such a strong message that, you know, one simple act could mm-hmm. just like you're saying, you know, buying the homeless guy, a, a cheeseburger seems like nothing but to that guy, it means everything. And maybe mm-hmm. that's the one day that he got to eat and he got cleaned up and, you know, went and did a job interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the amount of change that He's even a, one like, good
1: deed can do. I'm I'm a starving artist, like, like like millions of other people. Like, I know what it's like to get that one dollar tip in that merch <laughs> bin and yeah. be like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? That's so cool. Like, I'm going to get a BD5 layer and that's all thanks to you. Right. Like, so I get like the tiniest things can like it's not about things it's about gestures and about kindness and and understanding and trying just to meet people where they are and it's like you know what you don't need to change somebody's worldview you don't need to change their outlook on life you don't need to like preach to them or do anything you just need to be kind to them and like listen and or, or even just share spread some sort of benign kindness yeah, You know, sure. and like, you don't need to put that much effort into being a decent human or just like, you know, it doesn't take a mile extra to, you know, meet somewhere where they're at. Right.
0: And contrary to popular belief, you don't have to post that you did it. It doesn't no, have to go to really social not. media. <laughs>
1: it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah,
0: I know we got off on a tangent there, but you and I both seem to do that from time to time. Um, good
1: conversation is good conversation. Yeah, ex-
0: exactly. And I think people are gonna. I think that's the the cool thing with the way that these podcasts have been working is that I do so much more of a conversational style, and mm-hmm. I've, I'm not so worried about rounding you up into these. You know, I've got these ten questions specifically, and that's all we're yeah. going to talk about. Because okay, this Brian is stars. right. This is what's going to you know, bring those fans in and allow them to connect a little bit more. And, mm. you know, it, it makes those connections. And to me, that's what the music industry is, is all about. It's about community and, um, being real and honest with audiences. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we, we talked about the, the new EP some, let's talk about that live stream. Um, you know, when we first talked before that episode didn't air because it was all fucked up on audio, my bad on that, but you know we were you were getting ready to release the EP you had a tour yeah. plan that all kind of got shit on thanks to covid um, yes so you did this this live stream for the EP release I was a part yeah. of it uh it went really well um
1: it did though right yeah yeah I That's think so it much fun
0: I think it went really well uh our friend Maya was was mm-hmm. a tripod for the night
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that poor girl uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, talk about the live stream a little bit, just, you know, the, the setup that you had with, um, I'm going to feel really <laughs> bad. I don't remember their name. Sound of speed, speed of sound. sound. Uh, speed yeah. Of
1: sound. So our, 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 a dear friend of ours, he works out, he's out of the Des Moines area. Um, His name is Ben Hall and he runs speed of sound. It's a studio out of Des Moines and, um, we were just looking for ways to do this live stream. I had been trying to piece it together myself using our system and OBS and, uh, trying to make it happen and it was just i i got to the point where i was like hey all right that's not horrible but (laughs) you know it was working but it wasn't it wasn't where i wanted it to be especially because i really wanted to bring people the the like the album as best as i could you know it is as as real and in in the best quality i could possibly do and so in in the interest of that we started looking for a better venue than just our flower shop where we practice so uh, we hit up Ben and he's like, you know, guys, with everything going on, just come out here. But he didn't charge us a thing. He just was like, just let me put my name on the on the screen. Just come out and we'll hang out. We'll have a good time. And I, it was it was the sweetest thing for him to do that for us. And um, we had never done anything like this before. I was very nervous. I, I was the determined one to make this happen. Everyone else was like. Okay, we'll do a live stream. All right. But I was like, guys, this is all this is what we have. This is like what we have to do right now. This is all we can really make happen. And um so we get up there, we're setting up. Uh, there was a few hiccups along the way. Um but we get everything going and it just it it went way smoother than I could have possibly imagined. There was like obviously lag hiccups in the beginning, but uh people sorted it out. Um But the thing was is that we've had Consistent people on that live stream for two hours straight, yeah. commenting. Like, I think we ended with like 12k comments by the time the video ended. Like, it was nuts. It was just people going crazy, and like, there we were doing all sorts of contests, and we were having a lot of fun doing the um, like pet pics and doing right. stupid little contests here and there. We have a lot of cool stuff by the time this comes, what is it this is airing when tomorrow? tomorrow. Yeah, actually, yeah, so tomorrow we're actually announcing the pet pick winner. Uh, it was adorable. We got this one photo where someone decided to, to be extra cute and put an Archer shirt on their fluffy white puppy. Nice. So like that, that had, that had to win. So, but <laughs> we, we got literally over a hundred photos of, of, of different people's pets Our all of our personal inboxes, the band inboxes flooded with pets. Honestly, it's been the, this is it, the last couple of days trying to decide a winner for this has been the worst because all these pets are the cutest thing in the world. And, uh, I think I want to do that again because I love pets and I right. love, like looking at people's cats and dogs. And it's like, oh, oh, I think there was a pig. We had a pig too. Sick. Um, right. And, uh, but yeah, um, it was just, it was just so much fun. And I, I did not know what to expect as far as like merch sales or donations. I wanted to make it feel as much like a real show as possible. So we de- deactivated shipping on our site for the night and, um, so yeah, every every order that was sold uh, during the live stream shipped out free, because uh, we just we didn't want have, people have to deal with that. And people responded really well. Like uh, I we I think you can you can see me as as the live stream going on, just checking my phone. Like what the fuck people are ordering merch? This is crazy. Yeah. Like and they were just going nuts. And they were the there was one thing that happened that kind of choked me up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Um, as the live stream is going, so the, we, the, one of the songs on the record is called shallow and that's the song that I wrote about coming to grips with, uh, the passing of a loved one. And it's, it goes into pretty explicit detail about like what it's like to be next to a person who's, who's, whose life is slowly waning, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and to be there with them as, as they go. And there was a lot of people that were really able to connect with that song and, Uh, I had a lot of people hit me up about it personally, but something that I saw that just made my heart sing more than anything I've ever experienced other than just music was people that had not connected other than through Archers. Basically, within the comments of the live stream, there was support groups going on. (laughs) Like, these people were talking about the loss and the pain that they experienced, and other people were commenting with encouragement or other experiences that they had shared. And I remember just re- like, on the drive home from Des Moines, just reading through these and just choking up, like not only are these people finding, you know, common ground and someone to confide in, but they're doing it on my page and they're doing it on my videos and they're, they're doing it because of something that I helped to facilitate. And I, that's, it's a selfish reason that made, that that's a selfish thing. That's why I'm happy about it, but it, it just made me feel so good to be able to, to see that, like the wholesomeness of it all, man. Like I, the the pain is real, uh, but the hope that people can give each other just by being present and active in each other's lives, even across the entire continent. We had people from like, like, uh, we had people from the UK involved in it too. And people from like, um, from Africa, we had some Russian people in there too. And everyone was just, throwing back and forth so much positivity and kindness and it was all happening on the archer's feed and it just made me feel so good to be able to like facilitate that you know yeah
0: yeah so I just pulled it up too uh you had 3.6k in views and Mm -hmm. 1.2k in comments so yeah you know and the views like that number I think obviously can fluctuate pretty easily. And I, I don't oh, mean yeah. this as a knock by any means, but like if somebody got dropped out and come back in, I think it counts oh, yeah. for an extra one
1: views with, with live stream videos. I don't really focus on the views. I'm right. focusing on only interaction. You right.
0: Know? But even at that, you also have to take into consideration realistically, there's a chunk of people that weren't by themselves. You know what I mean? Like there's two, yeah. three, four people watching on one stream too. So, yeah. um, and but know, also yeah, like the thing said, of
1: like, you know, there was a lot of people posting multiple comments because we we're right. having conversations going back and forth. So there could be only 500 different commenters on there <laughs> right. or even 200, but you know, it's the fact that there was, there was that much conversation happening on there. Yeah. And you know what, if there really only was like a hundred people actually going back and forth, which could have absolutely been the case. That hundred people got one one two thousand messages, like comments worth of <laughs> yeah. conversations out of that, and that like. So what we left with, essentially, from this live stream is this feeling of being way more connected with our fans than I had been, than I have felt in a long time, because when you're at a show, you're you're yelling over other music, you're yelling over bands, trying to like hang out and connect to these fans, but I had them directly on my phone. I ever, right, like, after the show, I had. 50 people in my inbox saying the kindest things in the world, 50 people on the website buying merch I had. And eight, this is the same for each one of us. Right. So like being able to like, you know, like obviously it took a while to interact with all these people and go through all the messages, but I went through, we, each one of us went through every single one and we had full conversations with each one of these people who had something to say and had some encouragement to share or something nice to say about the live stream. And it created like real, real connections. Like, and I th- I think that even that one little live stream, and this is why I would recommend bands do this all the time, but find a way to make it happen again, because like the amount of interaction and connection that we were able to make happen within one night dwarfs some of our better shows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel like I've made a million new friends, and I feel like Archer's is better because of just having done a one-day live stream. Yeah, absolutely. And so do it if you're listening and you're in a band fucking do a live stream they're dope people want them this they need them right now right right for sure um
0: so i had posted uh over on our page uh for people to you know send in a question or two or whatever yeah, I saw that. so uh the question that i'm going to pull from <laughs> this is from uh looks like Taylor Cracky um right, okay. and she wants to know how do you possibly choose a set list when all of your songs are straight bangers?
1: <laughs> uh, I choose the set list based on how I want the emotions of the night to flow. Uh, I build our set list based on our fans. My fa- our fans are my favorite people. I love them so much. Most of them are my friends. <laughs> uh, but I want to create a moment at a show right it's something we talk about all the time here in our church is that we're trying to create a single moment that someone can think about and have a memory of forever right mm-hmm. so when we put our sets together it actually is difficult especially with these new songs because there are a bunch of bangers right. so uh it's it, it's strange because we want to you know you, you want to start off you want to make a, an impression right so it's a lot easier doing this as a smaller band that only plays five, six, six songs, setlist. So when we did the live stream, we were a little bit crazy because we love the slowest songs. But um, what we do is we normally start out with a song that's done pretty well, but, uh, and and will slap live and get people moving. But ultimately, that's not going to be the song that you really sink your teeth into. during. I mean, like, so you've got, and people remember the first song and the last song better than any other two songs in your set list on average. If yeah. for as far as a fan who's never seen you before, he's going to decide if he likes you within the first song and forget everything else between then. And then remember the last one, yeah. like uh, that's kind of how it works. And so the idea behind it is to make it flow. We have covers in our set, which makes this really, really easy. So if you're in a band and uh, you want to know, a really great trick to making your set flow smoother, throw in a cover because that way you can throw in a memorable track that will create a highlight in the middle of the set that will be able to help people tie the set into other songs. You know, it'll create distance between the first song and seconds. Well, it'll create less distance between the first and last song. Um, and so think, you know, like the way I like to think about it is like, um, you've got, you've got your, your, your mood setter. That's the, you, you set the tone right away. You come out of the gate swinging. It's gotta be a blaster. It's gotta be a big one. It's gotta be one that makes people want to move. And then you, you follow it up right away. You give no break whatsoever. You immediately follow it up with another, maybe B side, more, more like B side, like track. Something that just moves things along has a decent up tempo, but, uh, all in all, it's kind of a filler track, uh, and then after that, I would normally trans- transition into a cover because uh, people who, have, who maybe say maybe people really like the first song, but that second song wasn't their style, hit them with a cover, give them something they know, and suddenly they're roped back in and they're down for another song after that. Then after the cover, you hit them with one of your, your mainstays, right? You hit them with a song that has been around forever, that just like when you people hear that song, they're just like archers, you know? Right. And you hit them with that one because that's going to help solidify the moment that you just made with that cover. You 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 came out of the gate swinging with a hard song. You eased it out a little bit with the second song. You brought it back with with it with something familiar, and then you slam it with something that that you know is a mainstay. Like uh, for me, I would probably put bleed for this, but not bleed. for this, Black Lung right there because mm-hmm. that one's just a slappy song that's got really great hooks. And then uh, from there, I would, that's when you can start to slow down because at that point, your audience is kind of your audience has decided upon you at that point. They're either into you or they're not. So at that point, you have leeway to do whatever you want because the people who are into it are going to stay, and the people who are like aren't have already left. Right. So at that point, you can bring out some of your more touchy-feely, softer tunes. This is where I would bring out a song like "Shallow" or a song like "Making Eyes." Or a song like Ask Me in 2016, something a little bit lighter. And then I would kind of l- ride the light vibe for two two or, or two or three songs before really bringing it back heavy again with your biggest song in your repertoire. Uh, and for me, that would be normally that would be bleed for this, but with making eyes doing as well, as it's been that's probably going to be our closer for the next year. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how I like to build our sets. I know it's a little bit long winded, but honestly, building sets is like my favorite science. I, this is like one of my favorite things to do is to like pick apart our sets because our sets are not just a list of songs. An archer set is a performance that starts when you hit the button and then it just goes. Right. Right. So now it's there's there's songs, there's interludes, there's intros, there's talking points that I have for myself. Every single bit of that is the performance. It's not a list. It's not a run. Uh, 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 an assembly of songs. It's 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 a roller coaster. It's how I want the audience to feel at the exact moment I want them to feel it. And if you can if you can build, successfully build your set list around that, you will create super fans. It's why I think Archers has a lot of like really really good fans is because we don't spend a lot of time on stage. Uh, we 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 do short and sweet sets that create like the leave people wanting more. And they end up coming and asking and going to our Spotify channel to get more, or they, or they go to our YouTube to get more, or they come out to another show to get more. You know, if you're in a, in a butt rock band or you're in any band and you're playing 15 song set lists, you're doing it wrong vibe. you know, calm the shit, play <laughs> two or three of your good ones and just fucking have a blast because no one's going to remember the eighth song out of 20. Like right. no one's going to remember the fifth, the eighth song out of 10 half the time, you know? I five songs. That's your sweet spot. Get out off the stage in 20 minutes. Like give people a chance to not want to have a cigarette in your set. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, that's just just my opinion because the thing is like if you're going to do this and you're going to do this right, you have to have every single one of your fronts covered. Your merch game needs to be strong. Your live game needs to be strong. Your sound, your gear, it's got to be strong. The way you present yourself, the the the, the selections of songs that you do, your set list needs to be strong. Every single one of these things needs to be strong for you to, in order for anyone to get anywhere, at least independently. And that's what I'm trying to focus on: is just being independent. Because as long as we can be independent, we're going to make more money. And when it when it becomes when it comes to the point where we can maybe be a little bit less dependent, in, independent, you know, we'll have a little bit more leeway in that time at that time too. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, I think the last serious question that I've got for you uh, is because I told Maya that this story was going to happen one way or the other. (laughs) And since our first recording got fucked up, Uh, let's talk about your meat and beer story uh, from having uh, a tour photographer uh, on tour with you and uh, a close friend between the two of us.
1: All right, so let me start this by saying girls are weird, man. they got all <laughs> sorts of weird parts, and they, they need weird things, and they have to do weird shit. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, Maya is one of the coolest people on the face of the planet. I, it was so much fun being on tour with her. But <laughs> there was one point when we were, I think we were in bumfuck Nebraska, and uh, she had told me at, at one point early in the night, That she had had to pee And we were stuck in the van waiting for Porter and Chris To get back from their drunk escapade With a buddy who drove all the way from Colorado to see the show So they're out drinking with some dude from Colorado Who had driven out to see the show Me and Ben are changing in the van Or do whatever we do I'm eating chicken nuggets, half pants half on Uh, (laughs) Just kind of having a great time And Maya's up there being real quiet Because she's not a very assertive person
0: No, she is not
1: (laughs) Maya, if you're listening, tell me when you need to pee More than once, because I will forget uh, so a half hour goes by Porter and Chris finally stumble into the van and we're like, okay, we can go. Um, Maya at this time has been very quiet. I mean, I completely forgot about it. I had chicken tenders. <laughs> i put putting my pants on. There was a lot going on in my life. And suddenly uh, she just, I'm driving and we're, I, I was like, okay, let's just get out of town. We're going to be able to find a gas station pretty easily once we get out of town. 'Cause we were in a downtown area, it was crazy, there's no like walk in parking lots or anything like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's not, not a lot of options for bathroom situations. So we, we start driving and there is nothing. <laughs> like we get out of town <laughs> and there is no exits, no nothing. I was like, I could pull off to the side of the road. She's like, I'm not like you, I can't do that. <laughs> and <laughs> Uh, so we finally find an exit, but it's one of those exits where it's just an exit. and There's not really anything there, <laughs> yeah. but like there's no way she's going to allow me to to pass the exit. So I take the exit and we're, we're just going everywhere. We're trying to find anything we can find. We find a laundromat. We go into the laundromat. There's no bathroom in the laundromat. So we go back into the van, we drive around, we, we hit a few uh, closed fast food places. And then at one point there was a really well lit building. It was clearly closed. I was, it was very, i was very tired and uh, it was a well lit building and i'm just it, it, it's a big ass sign on the whole thing it didn't have, the store didn't have a name as far <laughs> as i could tell it was it just said meat and beer where it would have said pick and save or piggly wiggly it right. just said <laughs> meat and beer and i was just like meat and beer that's the move it's well lit let's do it and i like gun it going like 50 into this parking lot that's definitely empty and she is just screaming at me like meat and beer is clearly not the move! This is not where we go! And I honestly don't remember exactly where she, we ended up taking her to pee, But I remember <laughs> it eventually did happen. Uh, and she did eventually not explode and not die, which is great. Uh, I just remember being, so like, at one point, after she had gotten back in the vehicle and finally hit all, and everything had settled down, it was both kind of like... <sighs> okay because during this whole time we have been screaming at each other essentially like not angrily right? more just like I really have to pee I fucking know like, <laughs> like, and so we're just kind of collecting ourselves being calm and I look at her and I just say you know I have never been more stressed out about a piss I didn't have to take <laughs> and that was, uh, that was pretty much the end of it
0: nice, nice. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you know this and if you don't I'm going to f- try to force her to send you some of them. Did you know that Uh she basically had a quote list that she took while you guys were on tour of just stupid shit you guys said? Okay. Yeah.
1: That was a very well curated list.
0: Yeah. So, so that's where I asked her if there was anything I should ask. And that's where she came up with the meat and beer thing. She's like, meat and beer is the move. Ask him (laughs) about that story. (laughs) (laughs)
1: have you you actually seen the list
0: uh not all of it she's she took a (laughs) like a screenshot or whatever and showed me part of it
1: (laughs) it was pretty lengthy it was some good ones (laughs) i mean that's what tour is all about right
0: like just oh yeah ridiculousness so um so i think that's everything i've got for you i am going to finish with just kind of the the oddball question i forget what it was the last time that we talked i think i asked you like who your parents would be if if they weren't your your real parents or whatever
1: um
0: so this time though i was talking to a buddy today and i thought this was an interesting question and i've used it in the past before but it just slipped my mind so um you know if you could have dinner with absolutely anybody dead or alive famous or not who would it be and why
1: hmm See, that's, that's where I'm strange because I don't, like, huh. <laughs> like I, my first reaction is just to be like my mom, honestly, right. like to be perfectly honest with you. Like I don't put a huge, a lot of stock into it. Cause like no one's that valuable where it's like, Oh, let's have a conversation. I mean, maybe I mean, what, like somebody smart, but then if it was somebody like really smart and famous, it would be lost on me. Like, right. Maybe like, i wouldn't want to waste an opportunity like this i'd want to use it for something that would be meaningful so yeah i think i'd have dinner with my mom awesome
0: that's probably the the most like realistic slash uh sincere answer i think that you know what i've ever gotten like (laughs) normally people are like you know oh this rock star or like gandhi or something like that and i'm like here's the thing about Gandhi, right? Like (laughs) the man did a lot of good in the world. Don't get me wrong. But is that really going to be a good conversation? Like, cause I'm like you, he's going to talk in all these proverbs and shit. And I'm just going to be like, bro, are you going to eat that? Like
1: (laughs) you still doing that (laughs) hunger strike thing or (laughs) yeah.
0: So, you know, I, I think that's a, a good answer though is, you know, something a little more sincere, a little more honest and meaningful. Like you said, one-on-one time with your mom at at dinner with no interruptions or whatever, like that'd be, that'd be solid, especially for, for someone from a big family, right? Like one-on-one time doesn't happen all all that often.
1: often. Exactly.
0: All right. So that's going to be the last question that I've got. What I'm going to let you do now um, is for the last, you know, couple minutes, however long it takes you, whatever, uh, plug all your shit, man. You know, I'm going to post it, but plug, you know, the, the socials, your, your website, your merch, all that.
1: Right on. Um, well, you can find us pretty much anywhere. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, uh, I, uh, wherever wherever you listen to music, we're there. So uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Archers Official. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ArchersUS or at ArchersUS, I guess. Um, if you're looking to get some dope Archers gear, you can always hop on over to archersapparel.bigcartel.com. And pick up some cool stuff there. Our EP ships out for free, no matter what. We do not charge shipping on our CDs. So you spend five dollars, you get a CD. If you want some music? Spend some five, spend five bucks. I'll send you a CD for free. Um, I this this album, this EP, it, it it's it means everything to me. I think it, it wraps up what I've felt and what all of us have felt over the last few years. And and puts it all together neatly in a bow. And I think the title "New Normal" is just it, it's it's the perfect representation for exactly. I mean, look at where we are right now. Things, right. everything, <laughs> everywhere you look, it's all new. It's all it's it's all a whole different kind of normal normal right now. And uh, I didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean for the album title to be so fucking fitting. But uh, you know, not only does does it work for everything that we've been through, but it works for everything. That everyone is going through right now. So, whatever your new normal is, there is there's going to be another normal that comes after it. That'll be <laughs> it'll be the normal then, and then right. it'll be a new normal after that. And what uh, I think what I had told Maya, um, actually, so Maya did a had done an article about us about the record and something that I, she had asked me for a quote and um, something that I said was I wanted I want new normal to mean something to me far long long far after the record has come out because when i think new normal that that's never going to not be relevant to what's going on cuz there will always be change change is the only constant so normal will always be new in my opinion and uh, so even if it's 10 years from now they're going to i'm going to be able to listen to this record and you know i'm going to be able to understand what i where i came from where it was coming from at the time and You know, that that title is still going to mean something to me 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, because, you know, like I said, the only constant is change. And normal is always new.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I'm going to do it for you because I know you'll never do this for yourself. If people want... Uh, Spotify is letting people contribute directly to artists currently. They are. Um, I
1: always say buy some merch because I would much rather not take people's money for right. free.
0: <laughs> that's how I, I am. I,
1: I, I would much rather wa- see a beautiful person walking around in a decent archer's hoodie or a nice t-shirt and, you know, spend, you know, you know, get something that's going to gonna you know, value because, like, I, obviously, like, your donations are going to help and I will, I will thank you profusely till the end of my years uh, for that $5 that you're going to put in my account. Like if you decide to do that kind of thing, but buy a CD, get some music, get a t-shirt, show your, show your support on you. You know, you know, if you want the best way to support us is to, you know, buy the merch and wear it. You can tell people about us. Uh, I, I don't want your money as much as I want your love. And I want, you know, you to understand how I'm coming, where I'm coming from. And, I want more people to be able to understand that. So wear my clothes, get our name out there and, you know, don't, you know, don't just give me your money for free. I mean, that's really sweet if you're wanting to do that. And of course I can't say no because the world has gone crazy and, you know, well, money is not as available as it once was, but if you really do want something, we have tons of merch. I have stock for years and I want to send it to you. And, uh, I love giving away free shit. We're giving away so much free shit right now. So, uh yeah maybe maybe if you've gotten something free and you feel the need to donate then absolutely feel like you you are a wonderful person if you feel the need to do that uh but i'm always gonna think you look prettier in a t-shirt
0: <laughs> awesome man well i appreciate your time uh i'm gonna you know head over to to start editing this here uh, shortly and we'll get <laughs> Thank this you up
1: for your patience man i'm <laughs> sorry problem, that it fell through last week
0: no it's all good, man. Like, you know, shit happens, especially in this new normal. Uh, (laughs) but like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's hard to, to like wrap your head around that everything has changed so much over the last couple months. And you know, the, what everybody was used to as their normal schedule and, their normal routine is, is completely flipped around. So,
1: yeah.
0: um, no worries at all. We'll, we'll get this going. You know, um, like I said, I'm going to make sure that I obviously, uh, link all your, your socials and everything. I'm enjoying the the record. Um, so hopefully
1: you got any fave tracks off of it. Yeah, um, I'm
0: you so I, I'm a little bit of an everything kind of guy because I've, yep. I know yep. some of the content, you know, and I related to a lot of it. Um, I did play for a buddy's uh, I think he's 14 now, 13. I played uh, the black magic, <laughs> black monkey, Magic, black market, monkey magic. Um, and he, <laughs> it finished and he looks at me and he goes, well, that was, that was something.
1: <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> he later explained, he goes, I, I didn't know how to to react. Like there was just so much going on. And I was like, that's the beauty of that song. Like yeah, you have yeah. to understand that, it it's intended to be just almost a mess of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was just a fun reaction that I got out of That's it. That's so
1: great. I love that. Yeah. So well, honestly, just you know, one of my favorite things right now that we're, we're pushing on time here, but yeah. one of my favorite things is I have, there are so many archers fans who will send me videos of their kids Dancing to my shit, and that <laughs> makes me so happy, dude. Like watching these two-year-old kids dancing around. Well, like Black Barn or Black Market's playing, or they love the covers. Kids love the covers, but yeah, I, I, you know, probably two, three, four, five times a month, even I'll get people sending me videos of their kids. Like, hey, we're just in the car jamming to you, or we got you on the TV, and you know the kids are having a great time. Even today, I had someone. Uh, so, uh, uh, there's this kid who stole his mom's phone to take a picture of a drawing that he made and that he put one of his R stickers on and then send it he sent it to me. and I was just like, "This is everything. This is right. so great.
0: Yeah, that's uh, awesome, man.
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um yeah,
0: so like I said, we'll we'll keep everything posted. Um, obviously, I'll keep my eye out when when you're allowed to start announcing um, the reschedule and we're sure that it's actually going to happen. Uh, yep. you know, I'll be sure to, to share all that. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Like I said, I'm going to go edit yes. and and we'll get this going and it'll be live tomorrow slash today for when people are listening. I'll
1: share the shit out of it.
0: Yeah. Appreciate it, man.
1: Absolutely. Thank you again for all your time and uh, making, I really appreciate you doing this again just to make sure we got it right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, dude. Well, you stay safe and I hope, uh, I hope you guys being Guinea pigs goes well. Seriously.
0: <laughs> I do too, Sorry. because I want live music back. <laughs>
1: god right oh seriously it's terrible yeah i heard that there's like a was it, devil wears parada or something that has like a concert that they rescheduled for like july or august and i'm like Ugh, that's a bit that's a bit ambitious i don't know yeah i think uh silverstein they run, they're gonna get real lucky
0: yeah, yeah so- silverstein, silverstein did like i think it's late june early july is their first set of reschedules and i'm like as much as i want to go see them Boy, I don't know.
1: Don't get your hopes up. Yeah. Uh, They're not going to get a lot of pre-sales. But here's the thing. It does not matter if they don't get a lot of pre-sales because if they are right and this shit ends right then, they are sold out. Every show on that tour is sold out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And that's that's something that I was really bummed about because I was just like, dude, guys, what if this ends? Literally days before that that release tour and all the people have to do is come to our shows mm-hmm. oh, but, it would have been awesome yeah.
0: but it luckily that's not what happened so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, all right man
1: well you cool. have a good rest of your night um yeah just uh, send me that link I, i'm stoked to hear how to that
0: yeah absolutely man all right well you take it easy dude you too all right
1: bye Later. All right.
0: And that was my conversation with Nate from the band Archers. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, I had a great time talking to Nate. He's a really cool dude. Um, Big fan of the band too. So you guys definitely need to check them out. Um, If you have checked them out, let them know because they are very active on social media and and would love to interact with you and reply and all sorts of stuff. Uh, As Nate talked about in the episode. Um, they ran a contest-type deal when they did their live stream, but he loves animals and pets and whatnot, so feel free to just bombard him with all your pets. Um, but yeah, that that's this week's episode, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you again for all the support that you've given me so far. Uh, hopefully we'll be continuing to bring you awesome interviews and more and more content. Um, As soon as live shows open up, we're going to obviously be doing as much concert photography as we can as well. So you'll be seeing that on the page and the Instagram and everything. Um, But yeah, go follow Archers. Make sure you're following us, follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you're getting, notifications and everything automatically getting the new episodes each and every week. Um yeah, that's everything this week guys. I'm going to take you out with Archer's new single Making Eyes off of the new EP New Normal. Thanks again guys. Remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and you make the scene. I
1: can't remember. This time, I saw you tongue-tied Choking on the words you speak